Good morning to you. It is Tuesday, August 23rd at 9.40 a.m. Uh, it's your pal Boiler Dowd uh, with a quick cast. I thought maybe that I would do this version of the quick cast next week, but the more I thought of it, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do research now and uh, dig in deep to Penn State. <clears throat> I had a couple thoughts about uh, what's been happening with uh, at camp and with the uh, scrimmage on Saturday for Purdue's football team and Ross Aid, and I still am going to give those thoughts, but I'm going to I'm going to dig in deeper to Penn State. So if you came if you came looking for that, good, you're going to hear a little bit of that. But before I do, before I dig in, let me thank my sponsors. Let me thank uh, Martin Vintage, MartinVintage.com. Go get a classic Purdue T-shirt. Buy it from a Purdue family, um, and uh, and you can't go wrong. Interboiled at checkout, get 15% off. Soft shirts, nice graphics. Uh, check them out, martinvintage.com. And then, of course, AJ's. Go eataj's.com if you want to order ahead. Or if you're on campus, head over there, get a burger, get some beef, get a pint. Watch some sports. Uh, it'll, it'll make it a nice day. Um, great Purdue ownership there. I got nothing but positive things to say about AJ, uh, uh, but positive things to say about AJ's. Eataj's.com again. Um, so let me go. Let me go. First, let me talk about. Um, practice and what's been happening over the last week um at purdue they had another scrimmage on saturday in ross aid jeff brahm is just like you and i he sees the problem with scrimmages in that last week things looked really good um the defense looked really good they looked stingy and they were they were holding things out but then this past saturday so i guess that's 10 days ago and just a couple days ago Ten days ago, defense looked good. On Saturday, the offense looked good. And there's a real problem with that, right? When your defense looks good, you're like, yes, defense looks good. Oh, no. What's wrong with the offense? And this week, it was the offense looking good and clicking, and the defense wasn't stopping anything, especially early in the scrimmage from what it sounds like. But that's, that's the whole issue, right? You're going against yourself. And um, Purdue, let me, before I jump into Penn State too much, let's talk about this. Purdue returns a lot of people. Uh, they, they lose some important ones, but they return a lot of guys that are important positions. So they're going to be a similar team, but they should be a better version of that. In spite of Bell and Karloftis being gone, obviously Bell drew double teams uh, as a receiver. He drew the extra safety and things like that. And on the other side, Karloftis drew double and triple teams. But without both of them, Purdue was still able to Defended a decent clip versus Tennessee. They, they did struggle. I mean, that was a bit of a shootout. <coughs> Pardon me. And without Bell, um, without Bell, uh, Purdue moved the ball with ease versus Tennessee. Purdue's cornerbacks, uh, or per, pardon me, Tennessee's cornerbacks proved to be, uh, I would say they had some technique issues. They over and over would get all over a guy early in the, in the play and Purdue's receivers had the ability to create space after that, and then O'Connell would find them if Purdue's line did their job and held up. And they did a very good job for much of that game versus Tennessee. So uh, I watched some 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 interviews. I, I, I took away some neat things from from Purdue's uh, football team this week. First one, I love listening to Nick Carraway talk. I've been talking about him for a couple weeks, and this guy that uh, I think is gonna he's gonna he's gonna do some big things for our Boilermakers over the next year. But one of the things that I liked about Caraway is you listen to him talking. He's so humble and he sounds like a kid. And I love that. I, I love that about college sports. You're like, okay, this, this person, we're going to watch him grow up over the next four or five years. It's pretty cool. 
Um, but Caraway, he said his head is still spinning in Purdue's, uh, in Purdue's system. Uh, LBD just texted me, said, quick cast. Yeah, if you're watching, get back to class. Anyway, um, but um, uh, his head is still spinning. He uh, seems like a nice kid. Seems super humble, super humble, which I love seeing. I mean, I always say if I were at all a good athlete, I would be the worst person to deal with. Many of you have met me. You may already say he's the worst person to deal with. So uh, if I am, if I've been that way, yeah, I apologize. But the second thing, Lawrence Johnson, also really, really humble sounding guy. I love Lawrence Johnson. He's on the other end of the spectrum. He's been around for a long time. He's a defensive tackle. He had a great quote. I loved it. He said, uh, mom always, my mom's always preaching education. And once you have it, they can't take it away from you. So he's a guy that's at Purdue for the right reason. This is like when I look at Purdue sports with my gold colored glasses, not my clear ones that I do my quick cast in. I always try to look at these guys like students. I think that's a big deal. It makes me want to root for them even more. It makes me want to say, okay, hey, I've been in their shoes. I've gone to classes. I've never had to manage time like they do. I always marvel at the, the way these guys do their thing. It's incredible to me. Um, but still, uh, it's pretty neat to see them as people, as humans, as students. So let, let me dig into PSE. I, I see we have some people live already. That's awesome. Appreciate you guys tuning in. But um, let me dig into Penn State and what my thoughts are. Okay, let me first talk about a couple things. Number one, Penn State's defensive coordinator is a new guy, old name, a name that you know well, Manny Diaz. He used to coach the University of Miami. Um, he was head coach there. Um, but he was uh, – this is a different look for Penn State. They needed improvement on defense. Uh, Penn State fans were not accustomed to watching them – uh, kind of giveaway games in the second half. They did a lot of that last year. Um, Manny Diaz there. They're going to be different. They're going to be different. And I think they'll be stingy. I think they'll be tough. Um, Sean Clifford returns. That's a big deal. Their quarterback. Um, Penn State is really, over the last decade, they've only had a couple noteworthy quarterbacks to me. Um, and even those noteworthy quarterbacks, uh, they're more kind, They're not Purdue type of guys. They're not slingers, right? Um but they manage games really well. A lot of times those guys can take a hit, you know, get extra yards when it's uh, um, when you need a short-yarded situation. Clifford is good at managing the game. He's good at moving the pocket, good at keeping his eyes downfield. His efficiency is not awesome. I think he complete, completed 62% or 61.5% of his passes in, his, uh, in last year, which was truncated because of injury. If you do some research on that injury or those injuries, I think he had multiple injuries he was struggling with. Penn State didn't talk about him. I think as Purdue fans, we talk a lot about Jeff Brom doesn't give enough information to, to fans, to public, whatever. Well, Franklin did an even worse job of that with, with Clifford, and he was struggling with injury much of the season. It showed when he tried to come back, he looked really bad. Um, but Clifford isn't the guy, he's not a guy that's going to set the world on fire. He shouldn't against Purdue, but he's should be much more efficient than the other quarterbacks that, that they've had. And he should not make the big mistake. His, uh, touchdown to in interception ratio is very, very good. Last year he had 21 TDs, um, eight interceptions, pretty solid. Like I said, 61, uh, point something, uh, completion percentage, um, but Penn State finished two and six. Over the past two years, they're eleven and eleven. This isn't a normal place for Penn State football to be in. Like Golden Black said, Penn State should never be in the position where personnel is the reason they're not doing well. Um, they always have recruits. They always have linemen. They always have running backs. They always have linebackers. Of course, they always have defensive backs. They they get talent. Talent comes to Penn State still. Um, 
Another interesting thing about Clifford, before I go a little further, is this is a really interesting matchup. This will happen a couple times this year, but Clifford is a sixth-year guy. Of course, O'Connell is as well. So you have two old guys squaring off. Two guys have been through it. Um, Clifford's played a lot over his career. He, I think he first started playing on his first year on campus, if I remember correctly. But he's played a lot of football. Um, and uh, similarly, Aiden O'Connell's played a lot of football, played in a lot of situations. I think Aiden O'Connell... I'm remembering correctly, one of his first pieces of action on the field was spelling Jack Plummer in Happy Valley, if I remember correctly. And that game in 2019 was an absolute ass-kicking by Penn State. I think it was 35-3 to or something. I don't have that score in front of me. But it was not a good game. It's one that I think a lot of us would like to forget. Um, Plummer uh, didn't play poorly on paper, but made some mistakes. Made Brom very angry. He wasn't taking any risks, which was Plummer's knock. And if you look at statistically, Clifford is a lot like Plummer, except Plummer completed a higher percentage of his passes, um, but they're different type of guys. Uh, Clifford isn't built like Plummer, different type of arm, whatever. But statistically, you could make that comparison if you wanted to. Aiden O'Connell last year does not compare with Clifford because Aiden O'Connell completed such a high percentage of his passes, he passed the ball a lot. Um, Clifford doesn't pass that way. And when you look back, there's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Since Purdue hasn't played Penn State with these weapons, if you look back when Purdue played Penn State last time, for instance, um, Payne Durham had one catch. Uh, the rest of the names that had catches versus Penn State were guys that are all gone. You had uh, Bell, I think you had Moore, you had um, uh, Anthrop, but Payne Durham had one catch. Everybody else, these are all new parts. This is a new team. Um, so Penn State doesn't really know Purdue all that well, but they know Purdue. They know what Purdue is. We don't really know Penn State all that well because of all the change and flux. One thing that I thought was funny, if you look at uh, Penn State articles that are on Penn State sites, one person called uh, Penn State quietly confident. Another one, uh, Clifford, said they're humbled. Um, I don't ever believe James Franklin is humble or humbled. So that's just my opinion. I think he's an arrogant guy. Um, I think he's full of crap when he talks. I'm not a fan of Franklin. And um, so my guess is they're going to be, when they come into Purdue, they're going to be confident. Uh, whether you want to call it quietly confident in preparation or whatever, they're going to be confident because they're going to reflect their coach. Uh, Manny Diaz is also a guy that I don't think of him as super quietly confident. Um, so I think Penn State will be ready. I think they're going to think they're the better team on the field. And when you look at the way the media is addressing Penn State and addressing this game specifically, the media believes this is Penn State's game to lose. I went on Athlon Sports, read their predictions, and all three of the writers on Athlon Sports have Penn State winning. Um, they all have them winning for uh, good, very good reason because, you know, how could you think that Purdue, a nine-win team, could beat a team that was 2-6 and six down the stretch. Oh, wait, you could. But, again, the media doesn't respect Purdue, and because Penn State has fancy navy blue uniforms and white helmets, clearly the ghost of Joe Paterno is going to walk through the door. This stuff pisses me off. You can hear my tone change there. I, I'm not happy about the fact that Purdue doesn't get respect, but at the same time, I want to eat it up, and I want Purdue to have it on all the players' lockers. Nobody believes in you guys. And if I've got a Purdue player listening today, or his mom, or his aunt, whoever, take it to your son, take it to your nephew, take it to whoever, tell them nobody respects you except for people in black and gold, okay? 
they should they should be ready and they should come into that game like no one respects them and i hope they are i hope they're they're acting that way but now if you want to be a little bit humbled as a purdue fan if you want to really look at penn state and look at reasons to respect penn state i'm going to give you a really really big one he's the picture um of today's quick cast he's the guy that if purdue wants to say whoa let's take pause it's jair brown jair brown's five foot eleven 208 pound safety um, he's, he's more of a safety along the lines of, uh, when you look at him physically, Bob Sanders, but he's not that type of hitter really. I mean, he hits hard, but he's not a heat seeking missile because he's a ball hawk. Um, he had six interceptions all by himself last year. Okay. Uh, Penn state was third in interceptions as a team. Purdue was fourth last year. Uh, Brown of course led that defensive backfield and, um, he had 11 passes defended. This guy's no joke. Okay. Also back there, Joey Porter Jr. is cornerback, six foot two, hundred ninety-two pounds, NFL body. Again, Penn State has, is going to have those all over the field. The defense specifically, they're going to have great linebackers. Their their off their defensive line is healthy for the first time. I think last year they really struggled staying healthy, but they're going to have guys that look the part. Their ends are beasts. Their linebackers are always good. It's linebacker you. It's their own nickname that they give it. Um, let's see. Like I said, so Penn State played Iowa last season. They didn't play Purdue. They don't have that in common. Interesting side note, of course, are the connections of the program. Anthony Poindexter uh, coaches the safeties. He's the co-defensive coordinator for Penn State. He was at Purdue, if you need to have your memory jog, uh, under Nick Holt and Disco Bob, Bob Diaco. Um, Different time, different era for Purdue defense. I think things are much better now. Not because of Poindexter. I like Poindexter. Poindexter's my age. He's a year younger than me. So youngish guy. He'll probably be a defensive coordinator real soon. And if Penn State has a really good season this year, my guess is he'll be gone next year and defensive coordinator elsewhere because I think Diaz will be at Penn State for at least two or three years as defensive coordinator. The other really, really cool connection to Penn State, and I disdain Penn State for a lot of reasons. Of course, the fact that their fans tried to sweep all the scandal, some of the worst scandal ever in the history of college sports, under their rug and act like things weren't that bad. They were very bad. They were inhumanely bad. They wrecked people's lives, and their fans wanted to look the other way. They still filled the stadiums, act like nothing was wrong, even when some of them knew. So I don't like Penn State. The same way I don't like Michigan State. Because these aren't things like paying players like Ohio State's always had. These are really bad, inhumane things that happen at Penn State. And their fans have a bit of blood on their hands, in my opinion. We can argue that if you want to. If you want to say something in the comments, you're welcome to. But you're going to lose this battle if you do any research at all. Even if you're a Penn State fan. So, whatever. Um, But the thing that I love about the Penn State coaching staff big sidebar, big left turn there, is, uh, of course, Stubblefield is uh, the wide receivers coach. Love Taylor Stubblefield. He was an important part of Joe Tiller's offense. Um, He set many records under Joe Tiller, and now he's wide receivers coach. I thought he would have been a great guy to come to Purdue. I don't think Purdue really was ready to go after him. I don't don't get any indicators they did other than maybe putting some, some bait in the water. I really don't think they went after Stubblefield all that hard. But the whole thing about Penn State that I want everybody to look at as Purdue fans, while I believe Purdue can win, I don't think this is the make-or-break game of the season that many people do. And I'm not just saying that because I think there's a possibility Purdue could lose. I'm saying that because it's a long season, and Penn State's a good team. And if Penn State can get their feet under them like I think they can, 
Um, I think they'll probably have seven, eight, nine wins. I think they'll be right in that same range that Purdue is. I think Purdue, when I look at them, I think that's an eight to ten wins uh, team. I think they're going to win nine this year, and I don't think it matters if it's Penn State, if they win at Penn State or not. I don't think that defines success on the season because it's the first game. One thing you always know as a college football fan is that it's a lot easier for a defense to be ready to go in the beginning of the season, okay? Especially a defense that's laden with experience like Penn State is. Purdue's offense is a rhythm-based offense. They need the quarterback to be there and wide receivers to be in rhythm. Purdue's receivers, that receiving core, while I think they're going to be very, very good, I also think there's going to be a bit of a growth curve, a bit of a time of getting their feet under them, and maybe versus Penn State, they'll struggle. Why would I think that? Last year, when I look at the times that Purdue's offense struggled, when Purdue's team struggled, it was against defensive-minded teams that were very, very sound. Penn State gives me every reason to believe that they're going to be very defensively sound this year, okay? The teams that Purdue struggled against last year, Notre Dame comes right out, right? Notre Dame had a great all-American type safety. Penn State has an all-American type safety, okay? Plummer struggled. O'Connell struggled. Purdue didn't move the ball super well. Their safety, of course, ended up taking David Bell out. I think it was a clean hit. A lot of Purdue fans think it was a dirty hit. doesn't really matter, but we remember that game. Wisconsin, another team that is always defensively minded and defensively stingy and has a great defensive backs coach. Purdue struggled versus Wisconsin. They played better than they have in some seasons, but they struggled against Wisconsin. Illinois. Illinois is a defensive minded team last year. Purdue was going into the fourth quarter with six points. Six points. I think they entered, I think maybe a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, they had six points. They were down nine to six. And Minnesota, of course, another game that Purdue's offense actually outgained Minnesota, but lost the game. But Minnesota is one of the best defenses in the league. And let me, let me uh, build this case a little bit more here. I looked up some stats here on um, uh, Big10.org. <clears throat> Pardon me again. My allergies are awful. You can hear my voice probably. But in passing defense, here are the teams that were the top five or six in the league. Wisconsin, Purdue struggled against them. Minnesota, Purdue struggled against them. Penn State. We're going to play them, but didn't, didn't play them last year. Michigan didn't play them. Purdue was fifth, which is nice. And then Iowa was sixth, which Purdue, for some reason, always does well against Iowa. Iowa really, their defensive backs have no idea that Purdue has made the forward pass legal. Every year they look shocked and stunned after Iowa was Illinois. So if you look at those teams, you know, look at Purdue's record, the way Purdue struggled, Penn State is right there with the great teams in the league defensively, on pass defense specifically, this is going to be a struggle. So if Purdue can win, if Purdue can win, we can talk about next year, next week, how does Purdue win? But if they can win, one of the big keys to me is going to be establishing the run again. That's going to come from the offensive line being ready to go, and that's going to come from maybe some creative play calling, getting the ball into Tracy's hands, maybe getting the ball into Jones' hands, maybe having King Daru have one of those games where he's just dialed in and his jaw is set and his chin strap strapped. He's blasting people and then running away from them. We'll see. So that's about all I had for pre-show. I'm going to read some questions or comments here on the sideline, uh, in, the, in the margins. Thanks for tuning again, everybody who's live. Really appreciate you guys. Unusual time in the morning, but I was inspired and caffeinated. You can probably get some of that too. Greg McManus here. Brian T says, good morning. Um, do you think Oregon will join the Big Ten? I assume that's the rest. Not me uh, or the show, right, Brian? Um, do I think Oregon will join the, the Big Ten? I don't know. I mean, to me... 
if you read all the stuff that's happening, and I think I talked about this a little bit at the QuickCast last week, the contracts are written with an asterisk that the TV contracts can grow. And uh, it, it, Kevin Warren has said the Big Ten will have 20 teams when it's settled, he thinks right now. At least 20. It's not 24, in my opinion. I think if you look at the super conference model with the SEC, I think that could be two 24-team conferences. But the Big Ten will have 20 teams at least. If they have 20 teams... To me, they would probably have Oregon in that scenario, but who knows? I mean, if you want to know something really interesting, Kevin Warren was out in Pasadena a week ago. I'm sure he was really warmly welcomed by some and really a frigid welcome by others, but he was just there for some Rose Bowl Foundation thing. I'm sure there was no conversations there about expansion, and I'm sure there was nothing said, okay, we're going to make this public at the end of the football season. None of that happened. So... Yeah, I would think Oregon has a really, really good chance of being in the conference. But if I were going to be a betting man, I'd say they're probably third likely. But we can talk about that some other time. Uh, Greg Greg McManus says that's right, LBD. The only grown-ups uh, who better <laughs> only grown-ups uh, know better uh, to blow off work, not school. Sorry, I, I don't know what happened. To my reading ability there. But yeah, LBD, if you're still listening or watching. Thanks for tuning in. I'm kidding. Get back to class. I don't know his schedule, honestly. It's too early in the year. But I know another one of his friends tunes in. I hope he's not here as well. Um, uh, Nate Reinhardt says, are you going to switch out uh, the Ross Aid canvas for a Mackie Arena canvas when the football season is over? Uh, I don't think so. I don't have plans. I actually had a plan on this um, back when um, when things were a little bit different over at... Um, over at Gridiron Metalworks, I had talked to Derek about getting me a big motion P right here so it would look really professional. And he got me one. He sent me one. It was a test, and it was acrylic, and it arrived at my house shattered in a bunch of places. It was huge. It's in my garage now, um, but it didn't make the wall. So I had to find something that would work as well, and I found this, and they don't even sell it. It came from, it got shipped from Paris, Probably because all the licensing issues makes this illegal, but I got it on Etsy. Uh, it was an individual selling uh, uh, quartered prints, and I bet I can't get a Mackie print. That that seller is gone. But good question. These things are permanent. They're staying there. Um, so anyway, let's let me keep going. Uh, Greg McManus says, "Does Clifford think he increases his chances for NFL and returning?" I don't see it so far. I don't think Clifford looks like an NFL quarterback, but. What do I know? I, I, when I look at pro basketball, pro football, I don't know much about him. I don't think he looks like an NFL quarterback myself for a lot of reasons, but he's a solid quarterback. He's a good Big Ten quarterback. He's a good fit at Penn State. And obviously the drop-off from him to number two to number three is a cliff. Pardon the French. Pardon the uh, pun, not French. Um, so, yeah, it's a big drop-off from Clifford to the next quarterback. Um, yeah, Zachary Young says Vegas has Penn State minus three. Yeah, and the over-under is like 54 points. I think it could be under that. I just, uh, I would love to see a game that's like somebody rises out of a surprise like Deion Burks or Steptoe. Um, but according to Brom, no freshmen uh, are on the two deeps, I believe, right now. Um, so he'll have them on special teams. But in offense and defense, unless he's playing a very close uh, nice hand of cards. Um, no freshmen are going to play a significant role yet. Not in this game. He doesn't plan on it. 
So there's no, uh, there's no Rondell Moore walking through that door. There's no George Karloftis walking through that door, even David Bell. Um, but I think it would take, I would take a surprise from one of the wide receivers, and it could be Charlie Jones. It could be Tyrone Tracy. It could be, um, it could be Rice. It could be, you know, it could be anybody. It could be Deion Burks, like I said. Um, it could be Yassine, who showed a lot. But somebody's got to have a big game like that for Purdue to light up the scoreboard and beat Penn State, in my opinion. Um, uh, <laughs> Greg McManus says that the ghost of Joe Pa's kids shows up hide your kids. Well, Greg, it wasn't really Joe Pa's problem directly, but if the other ghosts that Joe Pa hands, hangs around with right now show up, definitely hide your kids. Uh, Ancient Atomic Immortality says, no argument here, hit the nail on the head. Uh, Pat Pence, Brom had some uh, tough opening games, which he hasn't had much luck in. I think he gets uh, this one, but it's close. Okay, so let's address something that's been a problem for Jeff Brom historically at Purdue, with the exception of last year, um, is getting out of the gate strong. These teams, well, you could argue that versus Northwestern, they came out strong. Obviously, Rondell Moore had like 7 billion yards all-purpose in that game. And Purdue came out firing. Guns were blazing. That was a good Northwestern team, but they didn't win. So what I would take in this one uh, is I want Purdue just to look sound, and I think they're going to look sound. I think they're going to look good. First games, though, are really, really tough because you can't scout everybody. You don't know what you're going to get. Penn State, though, I think scouting the defensive personnel is the key. How do you counter those guys? Diaz will give different looks, though, than the old defensive coordinator. I can't stress that enough. I think that's a big deal. And I think he's going to be really good at trying to disguise things and give looks that Purdue doesn't see coming. Aiden O'Connell is very, very good at spotting uh, defensive looks. He's really, really good at that. He's really good at um, being an efficient quarterback. But let's not forget, he did struggle throwing interceptions a little bit at parts of the season last year. He hit his stride in the last three, four games, three games, but he did throw interceptions. So let's, let's keep that in mind. Um, Pablo 88 says, compare the start last year with AOC starting the season this year, plus receivers from uh, bowl and a few new potential stars. Absolutely. There's, there's tons of guys that are on this team that are going to make a difference. Brock Thompson is kind of playing with pain. If you look at it, the superstar, really the superstar from that bowl, there's two, I would say Thompson and Payne Durham's, uh, his big catch is something everybody remembers. I think Payne Durham is dialed in. He looks great. Uh, physically, he looks great. Um, his attitude's awesome. Like, he's ready to go. I love that guy. Um, but Brock Thompson, I think, is going to be getting over a little bit of the tenderness of having two pins in his each leg. Um, at least for a little bit. I think that's an inflammation thing. I am a doctor, of course. I'm not a doctor. Um, but I think that's that's my concern. Um yeah, Purdue's got to be ready for Penn State's running attack. They got to be ready for a balanced attack from Penn State. They got to be ready for if Penn State's offensive line looks healthy and looks like what I think they could look like. That could be a big difference maker because they've had a hard time staying healthy. Last season they kind of moved guys around. They weren't in their natural positions. You have tackles playing, you know, they they just had people uh, not playing in their natural position. It could be different this year. Their guys are playing in their correct positions. Um Brian T. says, I was walking through Detroit Airport yesterday flying back from Flor to Florida, and I had a Purdue shirt on. Security stopped me to say thank you for Jaden Ivey. <laughs> Fun interaction. Well, Brian, thank you for Jaden Ivey from my perspective, too. I really appreciate it. Hopefully you can bring me and us 
another dynamic NBA-type uh, shooting guard. That'd be awesome. But what I'm seeing right now for basketball season is Painter is really hitting the idea hard of bringing back the old motion offense with lots of ball movement because he knows this is the way they're going to have to counteract defenses because they don't have a guy who's very good off the dribble. I'm thinking the old-timey Purdue basketball where it's a different brand. When I say old-timey, let's not get caught up into something that's a media stereotype that Purdue won't score. Purdue scores. Purdue's offense is efficient. They are efficient almost every year. It's a great thing under Painter. This is going to be more like we've seen before Boogie and before Ivy. It's going to be a lot of guys can shoot, and Purdue's going to move the ball around a lot to try to create mismatches and to get the ball inside. Purdue's big men are going to be awesome, uh, both on offense and defense in basketball. The guards are going to be a work in progress at least till January. Um, you're going to have some point guard issues coming up. You're going to see some guys kind of playing, again, out of position. And, uh, yeah, but sorry, I don't think Brian T's got another Jaden Ivey for us. Um, as weird as 2020 uh, was, uh, Brian did a good job coaching Purdue to that comeback end of uh, end of game win over Iowa. Yeah, I, that was a great game, um, and it showed uh, Brian Brom's ability uh, to manage a game. He seemed more conservative than Jeff Brom, but at that point, if you remember back, Jeff Brom was actually pretty conservative as well. So, um, anyway, it looks like I've got something happening with my feed, and I can't figure out what it is. And if you guys are still hearing me, that's great. If you're not, I'm going to wrap up. I'm at almost 30 minutes, um, at 29 minutes and 28 seconds. So I don't know if you guys can still hear me or not, but I'm going to wrap up. Um, yeah, pin. Okay, good. Greg Manis says looks good. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Brian. Um, uh, but it's still freaking me out. I'm looking and I've got the spinning wheel over my face and I'm stuck there. Um, Robert Randy has a good point, and this is something for Purdue fans. Look for this. Penn State has a five-star running back, true freshman. A lot of pe people think he'll be starting the game right out of the shoot, and I guess he looks the part. Of course he does. I'm sure he's amazing. Penn State gets recruits, gets talent again. So, yeah, that freshman uh, running back is very good. Again, if I'm having technical problems, I apologize. On this end, on my monitor, it looks bad. I'm going to use that as a sign that it's time for me to wrap up because I've just spent an entire half hour with you guys. I do appreciate your time. I appreciate our sponsors, Martin Vintage uh, and, and AJ's. Uh, thanks to both of them. They make it possible. And thanks to you again for tuning in. Let's get ready. Nine days left, and uh, it's going to be fun. I don't know about you. I'm already got my idea of which black shirt I'm going to wear for the blackout at Rossade. It's going to be an electric environment. I'll be there. Say hi to me if you see me. So will Mrs. Boiler Dowd. LBD's not in tow because that's going to be one of those days. You're going to get home at about 3 if you're from uh, central Indiana. It's always tough getting out of there after a, after a late game. So, um, Brian, you're welcome. He says, thanks for these. Getting me pumped for the season. I'm pumped for the season. Um, and I don't think you guys should look at this game. To quote Daryl Hazel, don't put all your eggs in this basket, which was asinine. He did that versus the Marshall game. Purdue lost that game if you're a historian, and the season ended up being very, very horrible. Jeff Brom's not doing that. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, get ready for, the, for the, uh, the game next week. I'll have another quick cast for you before then, God willing, and... Uh, Thank you. I appreciate you tuning in. Hammer down. Talk soon. Have a great day. Get back to work, LBD. We'll see you.